The song the choir sang this morning is based on a psalm, uh, 130, that starts out, Out of the depths. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my plea. Out of the depths. Sometimes in life we get to that place that uh, feels so deep and maybe dark is the word we use, but feels so difficult to us that at that moment in time we feel so alone that we don't think God can hear us. We feel so separate from anything that is love and warm that we wonder even if that kind of God really does exist and does that kind of God really even care? It can be hard in those moments and those times to say, out of the depths, oh God, I cry to you. I come to you. I trust you. And some of us haven't been helped in any ways by our history with church. Church has done some interesting things over the past. Still, tell you a story. My friend Jeanette, who when she was six, seven years old, used to race. She said she used to race through the church to get to the confessional stand to get into the confessional because she had been told either by the priest or her mom, she can't remember which one, but she had been told that every time she did something that wasn't quite right, she got a little dark spot on her heart. A little dark spot. And those accumulated over time. And so they accumulated whenever she would do things like, I don't know, use her neighbor's pencil in school. You know, that kind of stuff, kids stuff that they do. But it was so strong in her being that she was getting these dark sparks on her hot heart all week. You know, so when it came Saturday, confession time for her, she would run to the confessional booth because she had been told by whoever it was in her little being, she knew that if her heart turned all dark, she would die. This was an image that captured her in her early life of church. And she could be like Barbara Brown Taylor saying, oh, if I'd only known that I can trust God even in the dark times. If I'd only known I could trust God even in the times that are so difficult. Not just the friendly night, but the frightening night too. And she spent the rest of her life unpacking what that experience was for her. And she said, maybe if I trusted God in that way, I might not have done some of the, so many of the things to harm myself. I might not have tried to end my life that time if I had trusted God instead of this image that captured me as a kid. A bisexual man was talking to me, and he was in his 40s. His name was David, and he talked about growing up in the Jehovah's Witness family he was a part of. And he talked about the pastor bringing all the kids together one uh, day at church. And they came to their familiar space. They came to the front of their space and they sat down for children's time. Have you been in churches that do that? They sat down at children's time for that. And in the middle of it, they were curious. There was this boiling pot of water. It was a big pot of water boiling in front of them. And so they were watching very closely. And so the pastor starts to tell them the story about what hell is. And about what happens to you when you do something wrong. And what happens to you when you do so many things wrong that you can't recover from it. And he takes these wax figures and he throws them into the boiling pot in front of the kids. It captured his whole being as a child in fear. The rest of his life he wrestled with shame 
The rest of his life, he couldn't think that anything about him was good. And then when he understood himself to be sexual, to be bisexual person, he definitely knew that that wasn't any good. He said, maybe if I trusted God, even in the difficult night, I wouldn't be HIV positive today. Maybe if I had trusted God, I would have been able to love my teenage son in such a way that he still wants to be with me. Maybe if I hadn't been so captured by fear, I might have been able to transport that love to my own family. Oh, goodness. Any of you carrying around any of those horrible images that may have captured you in a time in your life when you didn't have any defenses against them? I hear from some of your stories that you do. You know, and Jeanette was telling me this story in her late 30s, and David was in his 40s, and so it was taking their lifetime to undo what had happened to them when they were children in those contexts. Aren't you thankful that we're part of a domination in a church that doesn't try to scare you into heaven? You know, do you want to be scared into heaven? Oh, my goodness, people of God. If you come running in here today out of fear... I want to tell you that we have a better way to run. We have a different way to, to run, and that's based on God's love. That's based on what we heard today in the scriptures about uh, fear being cast out by perfect love. You know, I don't want to scare you into anything. I don't want to scare you into a bigger donation, though I'll take it. You know, you know I, I, we're not keeping naughty and nice lists. You know, we don't want to scare you into anything. We want you to so love God, to so love Christ that you're coming because you know you're going to have an experience here that changes your world. So if you feel like you're being chased into heaven, take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. All of those images, I invite you to try and release them one more layer and to keep releasing them and keep releasing them and to fill them with the love that casts out that fear. You know, so God in Christ says, this is who I am. My self-definition is love. And I'm going to help you understand that every way I can. Even if that means giving myself to you over and over and over again, even if you reject me over and over again, I am there for you, everlasting arms, open wide for you in love. So, if you've been running, okay, I want you to shift from running away from something to running towards, towards the God who loves you that much. And that God finds you right where you are. It could be in the middle of the dark night of the soul, like Reverend Michael preached about last week. It could be in the middle of where you least expect that God finds you right there, offering love again and again and again. Oh, thank God we don't let our children get captured in those ways. What do we need to do still to help the world perhaps not be captured you know, some of our families are going to get a good bit of bashing between now and November. My family is, with the Houston Equal Rights Ordinance on the ballot. We've got some people already doing the bashing. 
There was a report this last year. One of them was carrying a sword and waving it around, talking about, you know, doing what we needed to do for God because he hated queer people. Oh, let us not return that fear and that hate. Let us be a people who understands that God's love can transport us beyond that. Let us be a people that knows that when we witness to Christ, we're witnessing to a God that says, we can put our everlasting arms around you, you know, and God's love will overcome any of the harm that you cause. But I wonder, I wonder if some of them had someone throw wax figures into a boiling pot of water in their life. I wonder if they had been taught to be so afraid of God that they continue to preach that in such a strong and vehement way. You know, that means you have to be a person of law, and we will tell you what you're supposed to do. You have to be a person of law, and we'll tell you. Didn't you like what Barbara Brown Taylor said? I used to want for God to give me a very clear, direct answer. Okay, I used to want that. Now that I've taken responsibility for that myself, I live in God's loving presence. But now that I've taken the responsibility myself. So often in our lives when things are confusing or chaotic, we would like the clearest answer in the world that is possible. We want to say, God, speak to me right now. I'm not leaving this pew until you speak to me and I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. You might even say, in the next few minutes. You know, God, here's my, here's my shopping list. But God says, you are my beautiful creation. I've shown you how much I love you. I expect you to be your own moral agents. I expect you to not be running away from me. I expect you to be moving towards me in love and making the choices you need to make as my people to be loving in the world. And it may be a hard thing for you to do, but I'm not gonna tell you right now in these three minutes what you're supposed to do for the rest of your life. But you know what? My everlasting arms are always there around you every step of the journey, whether it's dark or light or difficult or easy or smooth or rocky, that I will be with you each and every moment of the way. Yes. This is a church that's not going to scare you into heaven. This is a church that's not going to say you must do it this way or else. This is a church that says you are a people beautifully made and created, wonderfully wrought. The, head, the hairs on your head were numbered in your womb, and God even knew before you were born. He could have numbered some more hairs on my head. <laughs> she would have, she, she would have uh, given me that extra blessing. I would appreciate it. But so here we are in this world that lives in so much fear, fear of not enough, fear of how we stack up against the neighbor, fear of all of those things. And we have a God that says, I'm going to give you myself over and over again. Stop worrying about those things. Stop worrying about those fears. And even today when it seems so chaotic, it can feel like we're just stumbling in the dark. And sometimes we think that's bad. I want to tell you some of the best mistakes I've made in my life were stumbling in the dark. And God ended up blessing me with something far beyond I ever imagined. When it looked like there was no answer, then it appeared. 
There's a wonderful song that was written and released just a few weeks after John F. Kennedy was assassinated by Paul Simon. And when Paul wrote the song, he said at that time of his life, he, was, he had the practice of going into the bathroom, shutting the door, turning off all the lights so that he was in complete darkness. And there in the darkness, he would also turn on a water spigot so that he would have the sound of flowing water. And so he would go to those places in the darkness, and then he would have his guitar, and he would start to pluck out melodies. He would start to create. But he turned out all the lights. He went into the darkness. He said he liked the tile because it sounded like an echo chamber as he was creating. So it was in one of those moments in the dark bathroom with the water going that Paul Simon wrote the song, Sounds of Silence. Starts with, hello, darkness, my old friend. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Instead of running away from darkness, maybe we run into what God may have for us as a friend. Maybe we can't judge by the level of light whether or not it's good or not good for us. Maybe what we have to do is say, well, let me enter this and every experience in this world as my friend. And is God being there with me in the middle of it? But I want to read to you the lyrics of this song today as he wrote it. And you can follow along on the screens with me. As the lights go dark in the sanctuary, because imagine yourself with Paul in that dark space, starting to pluck out tunes on his guitar. And he goes, hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come. I've come to talk with you again, because a vision is softly creeping left its seeds while I was sleeping, and the vision that was planted in my brain, it's still here, it remains within the sounds of silence. In the darkness, he writes some more. In restless dreams, I walked alone, narrow streets of cobblestone, neath the halo of a street lamp. I turned my collar to the cold and damp when my eyes were stabbed by the flash of a neon light, that split the night and touched, touched the sound of silence. And in the naked light I saw 10,000 people, maybe more, people talking without speaking, people hearing without listening, people writing songs that voices never shared. No one dared disturb the sound of silence. Fools, said I, you do not know. Silence, like a cancer grows. Hear my words that I might teach you. Take my arms that I might reach you. But my words, like silent raindrops fall, and echoed in the sounds of silence. Still in the darkness, he continued, and the people bowed and prayed to the neon god they made. And the sign flashed its warning in the words that it was forming. And the sign said, the words of the prophets are written on the subway walls and tenement halls and whispered in the sounds of silence. 
Our world feels so chaotic these days that even when the lights do come on, it feels like we don't know what the next steps are for us to take. And as our sanctuary brings its light again, we want to remember, we want to remember, 19 lives have been lost this year, trans women who've been murdered, most of them in the last two months. Of those 19 lives, 17 of those lives were people of color. I say, God, God, this is just too hard. This is just too chaotic. I don't know what to do with it. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. You know, I might even feel paralyzed that there's nothing I can do to make a difference. Yet here, there's this God saying, you, you are my free agents. I'm telling you again that I love you. You need to use your spirit. You need to use your soul. You need to use your whole being to decide what is your very next step so that all my children know that they are loved. So that no one out there feels like they're being chased, beaten, killed, judged. But they're able to turn to me, to Jesus, and the love that I have shown you. Can you do that, my people? Can you be a people that turns from fear into love? Can you, even in the depths of grief and in unimaginable horror, say, we will be a people of love that will act upon our mission statement? It's in your bulletin. If you don't know what it is, our mission is to demonstrate, demonstrate God's unconditional love to all people to all people, to all people. Demonstrate God's unconditional love to all people through Christ-like action. Does that mean sit and wait for God to tell you exactly what you're supposed to do? What does it mean? Demonstrate God's unconditional love to all people through Christ-like action. There's an action you can take this week that's loving. There's an action you can take this week to reach out to a neighbor, to help someone in need, or to be kind to yourself. There's an action you can take this week that lives out our mission statement. I invite you, people of resurrection, to live like the resurrection matters. It is new life. It is God's love poured out for you. And in so doing, know that every life matters and name the ones that seem to have mattered the least. Trans lives matter. Black lives matter. God challenges you. Be my people. Be my people of love. In Christ's name, amen.
shut in with God in a secret place there in the spirit beholding God's face gaining new power to run this race I long to be shut in with God shut in with God in a secret place there in the spirit beholding God's face Gaining new power to run in the race. I long to be shot in with God.